A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can make a change. We need a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. Start different at GoDaddy.com. COVID-19 patients need your help. If you've fully recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have the antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients recover. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today to schedule an appointment to donate blood. That's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T dot Help save lives and schedule your appointment at Vitalant.org. You could help save lives. This is an ode to the glass noodle. You may be glass only in name, but our love for you is crystal clear in every Bibigo Korean dumpling. Your tantalizing texture tickles the taste buds. And while you are see-through, the world can't help but see you. The glass noodle, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every plump and juicy Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. It's time for episode 12 of Confessions of a Marketer, and we're talking startup life. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome to Confessions of a Marketer. I've got Vanessa White on today's episode. She founded Jaju Pierogi with her sister not long ago, and it's become something of a phenomenon here in the Boston area. You'll get an up-close look at life inside an upstart food business. Brief program note. Next time, we're talking with Anthony Rudell, longtime radio programmer. He started at WQXR in New York when he was just out of his teens. He's had a storied career moving from radio to academia to corporate communications consultant and back to radio at WCRB here in the Boston area. So I wanted to get some lessons from broadcasting from him. Great chat, and that'll be next time on Confessions of a Marketer. Now let's get to my discussion with Vanessa White of Jaju Pierogi. Vanessa White, welcome to Confessions of a Marketer here on a snowy morning in Massachusetts. Thank you very much. I'm so happy to be here. Eight years after working with you in an office. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? So you gave up your day job and you're focusing on Jaju Pierogi. What did you expect and how have things been different? Well, I expected it to be a lot of work. But I don't think that anybody can really prepare you for how much work running your own business is. When people try to commiserate with an office job and how much work, I mean, maybe finance, like a 90-hour week in finance might be able to compare. But I think when you're starting your own business, you're really responsible for everything. And if anything goes wrong or anything needs to be picked up, it's really just a super, super high-capacity job. And I also, in a positive light, could not have expected how supportive the community is, the food industry, primarily the kind of makers, the grassroots food industry is extremely supportive and is pretty much the polar opposite of any office environment, (laughs) which is great. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's kind of like you do some stuff with craft brewers, and I think what you're doing is kind of like craft brewing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of partnership with the craft brewers there. I I can't speak to how their community is because that's like super competitive now. They seem to be, you know, everyone has their opinion of each other and and all that. But and it's the same with food. But I think 
Everyone is just so uplifting when you have a question about some kind of permitting process or how an event was at a certain brewery, for example, or, you know, a town official, anything like that, or collaborations even, you just can drop a line to anybody and everyone's ready. They're ready to answer you. And there's not really that competition and passive aggressiveness and all that. So. Right, right. So totally different than working in a company. <laughs> Oh, yes, 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 definitely, at least for now. Yeah. <laughs> so um, this is Confessions of a Marketer, so I've got to ask you some marketing, branding-type questions. Mm -hmm. So did you spend a lot of time thinking about your brand, getting your logo, your identity, or the name even? Can you tell me the story around that? Sure. When we first started thinking about making pierogies, and this, the history behind that is that my family has a food business, a Polish deli in western Massachusetts, and we always mm -hmm. grew up with the pierogies and we noticed in Boston there wasn't really anything going on. And so we, for years said, you know, someone will definitely do this at some point. Come on, someone is obvious. And then no one did it. And so then we decided maybe we should try doing it. And um, the kind of stereotypical name for a pierogi company is Babsha or Babshi, which is grandmother in Polish. Right. And so we actually initially kind of started going that direction just to resonate with people because they were so accustomed to having that mother or grandmother figure in their life and tapping into that nostalgia. But it just didn't sound right to us. I think part of that, once we came up with the actual name, was obvious. So Jaju is the Americanized spelling, J-A-J-U, is the Americanized spelling of grandfather. Right. In Polish. So in, it's uh, it's an, kind of an affectionate, like, grampy or grandpa. And so when we came upon that, it was an epiphany because, A, it really resonated with us. We use our grandfather's recipes. It was his store. So it wasn't making up this image to please everybody else. It was really true, and it was a story for us. And then also we envisioned, you know, if our company had really grew and we opened up storefronts, we wanted people, something that roll off a tongue. So people could say, hey, I'm going down to Jaju. Right. Or it's Jaju. And so it kind of all came together for the name, but we really did think about it for a long time. And I, I think like a lot of companies, once you hit that name, you're like, that's it. That was the moment that we had. And then I, fortunately, my best friend is a designer and professional photographer. So we did sit down with him. We looked at a bunch of color palettes. We wanted something that was, rustic and homey and comfortable and that was that red which also kind of speaks to polish colors yeah. but we picked that because we want it to be like warm and welcoming so that was another thing but it was definitely a lot of very careful consideration looking at a lot of fonts we wanted to communicate that welcoming warm feeling so you seized upon the idea of doing pierogi did you then come up with the name and the identity, or did you decide to, which order did it come in? It was definitely the pierogi first, yeah. the product, and then you know sitting around and saying, "What well, you know? What I think it's a conversation. What do we call it? <laughs> what do we call this thing?" <laughs> and also kind of envisioning where, like, where you think the company was going to go or could go loosely. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to leave all options open, and that's why we wanted something that if someone was running out the door and going down to our store that might exist in years and years and years, they could just say, I'm going down to Jaju. And the crazy thing is, is that that has now how people re like refer to us very often. Right. Jaju's here, or, oh, I'm going to this pop-up. Oh, is it Jaju? Like, 
people have yeah. dropped the pierogi, and that's what we wanted. Yeah. Um, or that's what we thought about it could happen, and happy that it has. Uh, two syllables. Yeah. The only thing is, is people a lot of times think it is the beginning of our names if they're not Polish or so that, oh, are you Jane and June? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> so <laughs> we will always struggle with that, but it'll hopefully just become a household name at some point. People won't question as much. Right. <laughs> you spent some time in marketing roles when we worked together. You were kind of uh, the one who cracked the whip on everybody. Oh, yeah. And. So, so what are the marketing challenges for a small business, especially in this kind of hyper-competitive food business? Yeah, I, so it's, it kind of is a double-edged sword, I think. Um, for one, in one aspect, there's, it's a huge, the, the current marketing climate is a huge asset to small businesses because really you don't have to spend much money these days with social right. media. So that's a huge asset. Like I have not spent a single dollar on marketing since we started. And now I like to say that we are the most followed pierogi business on Instagram, which <laughs> is not a huge thing to say, but um, I'm pretty competitive about that. And that's great. Though. We have, yeah. So it's, it's, yeah. So we haven't, we haven't spent any money and we've just used Facebook, used Instagram, which Facebook, you know, people have to go and search for your name and follow your page. And so it's much more, like it's an older audience, obviously, but they're much more likely to comment and go out and, and buy. And I feel like Instagram, people are looking for that image. But we do get people saying like, oh, I saw you on Instagram. I saw this on Instagram. But um, people are finding things on Instagram through hashtags and might just like your photo and fleeting moment. But anyways, so there's, there's that. So that's a positive thing for small businesses. I think what a struggle is, is that there's a lot of great food photography, for example, for, and I can only speak from a small food business, but there's a lot of fancy food photography, food bloggers that are posting these really beautiful photos and you have to compete with that to a certain level. But I think it's really important for food businesses and for small businesses in general to find the right balance between seeming too posed and too kind of it's like fabricated and also right, telling right. your story. So that I think is a big, is like a bigger struggle for a growing business is to attract an audience with your beautiful photos, but also make it authentic. I've seen some companies, they hire a fancy PR firm. And this is not so much like a really startup food business, but maybe like a craft brewery that has some sure. money and you find yourself struggling to connect with that brand because you're not feeling their story. You don't feel like those photos are real people or a real scenario. So I think that being able to stand out but also be authentic is a struggle. Being genuine is really important in marketing yeah. in any part of marketing, whether whatever business you're working for, doing genuine marketing is a, is a real challenge. Yeah, and it's been really, really important to our brand. So I actually own the marketing for Jaju Furogi. My sister is responsible for all of the money and all the finances, and I am happy to be out of that because can't <laughs> I can't do numbers, really. So I own the marketing and something, it's been like our story and me and my sister, I've from the beginning, it's been a huge part of our marketing and our story. And, and people buy our pierogi and show up not only because of the quality of the product, but I also think because they believe in us and they're invested in us. Right. So that's been that's been really prevalent. And 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 we share our successes 
our failures, when we look like homeless people in the kitchen, really, (laughs) you know, in our scrub, we, we share those images, we share the grind, we, you know, so it's really important to share your whole story and be genuine, yeah. Right, it's fun following you and seeing the process, too, so you don't mm-hmm. just see the end product. You know, on Facebook, you show photos of you guys pulling an all-nighter to put mm-hmm. pierogi together, and, uh, you know, there's flour everywhere, and, you know, mm-hmm. it, it just looks, it makes it genuine. Yeah, very important, definitely, and and, uh, that is definitely a big piece of advice that I have. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. We talked a little bit about craft brewers, and I see you going out for pop-ups at different businesses. So are you forming alliances with these or is it informal how, how does that work yeah so at, at initially it's pretty informal where you reach out and now all these breweries are really trying to fill their calendars with pop-ups so it's funny this is a little bit di- digressing but when we started doing pop-ups we started when it wasn't really even a thing and so people were super psyched yeah. always to show up for pop-ups that's because a lot of these breweries, they don't offer food. And so it's a natural pairing. Now there's pop-ups everywhere, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometimes Sunday. And so there's a lot going on and people are always being blasted right. with opportunities and options. So you do see like the enthusiasm waning a little bit. We still have great success. Otherwise we wouldn't do them. But I definitely, you know, before when we used to go to some breweries, we would bring 700, 800 pierogi for an evening and we would sell out in two and a half hours. Now that's more like 600 or, you know, maybe five, whatever, five or six, but it's informal at the beginning and you reach out and you kind of agree on some dates or sometimes, you know, once you get in the circuit, breweries are stocking each other's calendars. And so they're reaching out to you. So once you're in, you're like going to start getting all these emails from all these breweries. And yeah, I mean, we definitely developed some really great relationships with some of the breweries. Some of them are definitely more informal. We go there once every so often. Other ones, we're on there monthly and we get like a huge crowd. And so we have a very strong partnership and they back us up. We back them up. Yeah. We The other thing that's really talking about forming alliances is that in this kind of small space, everybody talks. And that's kind of like, I guess, any industry, but all the vendors like us share information, the food trucks, the vendors. And so when there's a good venue, you're talking it up and you're saying, you know, you should really go here. You should really go there. And if a brewery is hard to deal with, or maybe they cancel your event or they don't promote that gets around too. So it's important, like it really is important to, to be a good partner because otherwise people will kind of share that information. Um, so we're forming alliances not only with the breweries, but also with other vendors in the space who are maybe giving us good tips or passing our information on to other breweries or farmers markets or whatever it might be. Right, right. It's important to uh, be good on both sides, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So where, where do you see your business going? That's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> so our business, we are about to move into a 3,500 square foot kitchen in Lynn and really hopefully just 
bust it out and just go just all over New England and take on the big boys, at least in this space, and, and who knows uh, beyond that. So is, is capacity an issue for you now? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So right now we are maxing out at about 7,000. Well, we did 9,000 a week before the holidays, but we were exhausted. Yeah. And now it's about 7,000. But we're doing it all by hand right now, and, and it's a lot to put on your employees and on ourselves to be able to hit those numbers and right. um, not fall short. So you have to push yourself every day. Like we have to do this many, we have to do this many, we have to do this many. And if you fall short, then you're obviously making less money. And so we also have a capacity issue with, we have, you know, X number of freezers and X number of fridges right. and we can't fit any more in our current space. So we are moving into this huge space getting a walk-in, hopefully we'll be getting a machine in the next six months, um, which we are very careful about because one of the most important things about our product is that it tastes like your family. And so we are testing all of our dough and our ingredients and everything like that to make sure that they taste the same. So that is a critical piece to that all working. Yeah, so we're getting all this, you know, off the scale or scaling up in the equipment side and we're also updating our packaging right now our packaging is very manual and multi-step and allows for human error for sure so we are looking to upgrade our packaging to stand up pouches and then we can get a distributor and then they will take our stand up pouches or pallets and pallets and pallets of pierogies hopefully all over New England, and hopefully you'll find us next to Mrs. T's, who is basically like the craft foods of of pierogies in the grocery store. And so I think in the next six to eight months, we're looking at not only growing in your local grocer, like moving up through New Hampshire, Maine, Vermont, Connecticut, perhaps into New York, but also kind of scaling up to get into like the market baskets, the Roche Brothers, Big Big Y, things like that. We're in a supermarket in Rhode Island right now that's kind of like the Roche Brothers of Rhode Island. And they just order in huge quantities for us every couple of weeks. You know, they'll order 4,000 on their own. And then we spend three days driving to Rhode Island. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's great, but we can't add another supermarket like that right now. And it's frustrating because I think the opportunity is there. So that's kind of where we're at. And, and it's tough to say, you know, beyond that, you know, I think the sky is the limit. And but we we're one thing that's made us, I think, successful um, thus far is that we've been very methodical about our growth. So we've always looked three months ahead, six months ahead. And we've been very, very cautious about everything that we've done. Sure. Um, that makes so, sense. Yeah. So we haven't like, you know, just bought tons of stuff and, you know, jumped the gun and everything that we do, it's like, okay, now we're ready for this. And so I think that's the next step is just the packaging, the kitchen, getting a machine in and then a distributor and then going crazy about (laughs) with that. And then also we're opening up a storefront in Somerville, um, late spring, early summer where we'll cook to order. Yeah. Yeah. Be a good experiment. We'll cook to order. We're going to have a very, you know, straightforward menu where you have your six pierogies and you, there's a rotating special or two and then some fun sides. 
and we'll also sell our frozen packages there. So that's another kind of experiment that could potentially lead to other concepts that are similar in cities around the Boston area, like Providence or Portsmouth or Worcester. So uh, almost time to wrap up, but I just want you to leave the listeners with a bit of advice. So if you were to give one bit of advice to someone contemplating starting their own business, what would it be? So I think I touched on a couple of things about knowing your story and um, Mm -hmm. making it very personal. But I think another thing that I see sometimes in this space is making it clear what you do. Sometimes I see other vendors where it's not as clear what they're doing and what they're selling. And you can't rely on people to recognize the brand first when they're starting to get to know you. So um, it's, it's really important to be focused. Right. And a big mistake some businesses make is, okay, we're making pierogi. How about we make ice cream now? You know, it's, <laughs> it, it's expanding too quickly into something else can, can really lead to failure. Stay focused and make it super clear visually what you're doing. Oh, it's been wonderful, Vanessa. Really, thank you for being a guest here on Confession Parker. I think you've got a great story to tell the chat. I'm sure my listeners will really enjoy it. Thank you for having me. I really want to thank Vanessa for being on this episode of Confessions of the Marketer. You can learn more about Jaju at jajuperogi.com. Next time, Anthony Rudell on lessons from broadcasting, so please stay tuned. This episode of Confessions of a Marketer was written, produced, and edited by yours truly. T. Jordan of A-Class Productions wrote the theme music and Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Lee Edwards Global Inc. This episode is copyright 2018. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. See you next time. You've never tried to eyeball six feet as often as you do now. You wear a mask, you wash your hands, and you've stayed within the walls of your apartment for more hours than you care to add up. But unless you live in a smoke-free building, you're not exactly home-free. Secondhand smoke drifting through the cracks in walls or sink drains carries toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. And right now, lung health is key. Go to tobaccofreeca.com to learn how to stay safe.